welcome to Great Leader Serve. I'm your host, Kevin Best. Who better to kick off our first conversation than John Stalwart, the founder of the Center for Serving Leadership and the author of The Serving Leader. John, thank you so much for being part of this episode. Pleasure, Kevin. Good to be with you. So, John, you know, my first question for you is you wrote this wonderful book, The Serving Leader. Why did you come about writing The Serving Leader? Well, that is a, a good question. Uh, I was uh, wrestling for years in my work over that time at an organization called Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation with the learning curve I was on of gaining insight into what caused leaders to either do well or do poorly. And uh, I was given a, a global assignment to build new leadership foundations to go around the world, spend time with leaders. And I sat at the feet of a lot of extraordinary men and women in leadership. And it wasn't my assignment to study leadership. My assignment was to build partnerships and to build something called the, the Training Institute for Leadership Foundations. But I was in great organizations whose leaders were good and I was in a lot of those places. And so I got a lot of data. I saw the pattern wherever I was. I, I observed that in good organizations where people wanted to come to work and did good work and were loyal to their work and served customers well, in those kinds of organizations, the leaders were behaving similarly, whether I'm in South China or Central US, and that caught my eye. And I began to note down what those behaviors were. And, um, you know, I can tell more about the story. It took a while, but that led to a decision to capture that more formally. I had been pulled over into the life of a man named Bob Buford, who was in Texas, who was very interested in what I was learning. And Bob Buford connected me with a man named Peter Drucker, who was the old management guru in the last, uh, you know, in the last century. And that led ultimately to the writing of the book. Um, Wasn't my strategic plan, Kevin. Uh, It was a, uh, we'll call it a a wonderful um, providence or accident, uh, you decide, related to the fact that I was in the position to observe many good leaders, learn from them, and aggregate the lessons they had learned in a manner that, you know, that would be simple and accessible for other leaders who are trying to get good at their craft. Now, I was introduced to this book back in 2012 by another person, and I said, you know, I want to meet more people like you. How do I do that? And he handed me your book. At that time, tell me what was the purpose of the book? What were, what were you trying to achieve by writing the book? And then what did you do with that book afterwards? Yeah, uh, interesting. Um, Kevin, I don't know how many things you started in your life that you thought were going in one direction and they ended up going in another. I can tell you I've got a long list uh, for me. But um, when I wrote The Serving Leader, and for those who have read the book, you will observe that there's a 
there's a number of characters in the book, but there's an interesting character in the book, uh, which is a city. And there's a gathering of leaders in a city. Uh, this was set in Philadelphia, but it could have been set in any city where leaders from the private sector, the public sector, the social sector, the faith community were meeting on a regular basis. They called themselves the no-name team, and they were endeavoring both to become better in their individual leadership, but to make the city better. And what was that? That was a parable of a leadership foundation, because leadership foundations are gatherings of leaders in cities around the world that endeavor to make their cities better. And so I wrote this book for the purpose of strengthening the organization I was serving at the time, which was Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation, to help give a, a, a an organizing story on um, what can be possible in a community when leaders from throughout that community get together uh, to improve uh, their collaborations and their impacts. And so uh, when I wrote it, uh, when this thing got published, um, my expectation would be that I would spend the rest of my life, and let's put a date on this. This is uh, 2023, published 20 years ago. Uh, I'm 65 now. I was 45 then. My expectation was that I'd spend the rest of my life inside the Global Leadership Foundation family helping cities. So that isn't what it turned out to be. But that's what I had in mind when I wrote the book, to strengthen leadership in cities, to improve cities as human places of, you know, of um, of goodness in the world. Wow. So uh, there's been some time that has passed during that time. And, and just a few years ago, you built the Center for Serving Leadership. So tell me about that. What is what is the role of the Center for Serving Leadership and how does it relate to what you're trying to build for these cities? Yeah. So, um, and, and if I can uh, connect to you and me for just a second in answering that question, sure. Kevin, um, you, you got exposed, um, I think it was through uh, Mr. Mark Peterson yeah. in um, Rochester, New York to the book. And... Um, uh, Mark had been using the book, and then you yourself, uh, in joining together with Mark as a as a tool to create some common values and uh, a vision for Rochester. So, you know, what was buried in the book, a story about leaders in a city who are working together for the good of that city, was exactly what you guys did with it. I mean, I hadn't met you yet. You guys just were doing this in Rochester. I remember Mark um, sharing with me that the vision for Rochester was to become the greatest community on earth. And um, and this was an effort that that, that you were um, you were exercising. And and Kevin, I I can't imagine a better outcome for the writing of the book than what you guys were doing with it. Um, you know, today, Center for Serving Leadership, that we are a for-profit. Uh, we're now incorporated in two places, the, the United States and Singapore, Singapore to be our Asian hub. 
And we're also um, connected to a nonprofit, World Serving Leaders, which is propagating these exact same tools and resources in the poorest nations on earth. And I will get to your question. <laughs> I will answer your question in a second. The for-profit works in places where businesses and organizations um, have the ability to invest in improving their practice and improving their outcomes. And that's how we make our living. The nonprofit gathers charitable dollars to do the same work in the poorest places on earth because they need the leadership development, the community development, the city development, just the same. You know, when I'm in Bujumbura, Burundi, in the poorest nation on earth, nation 197 out of 197 in GDP per capita, that city, uh, Kevin, needs what Rochester needs. Better leaders doing better work, uplifting the, you know, the the caliber of the community, businesses, enterprises. And so, um, you know, in in a very direct line from the book about a city and about a group of leaders to Rochester, your example, to um, many, many cities now in nearly 20 countries uh, we're working to help leaders get better because leadership is the independent variable. As our leaders go, so go our enterprises, our businesses, our our cities, our communities, our nations, and we're trying to uh, we're trying to help leaders understand how to build greater value for the good of those around them. So when I think about when you talk about better leaders, one of the things that pops into my mind is. Well, are we talking about uh, a religious mindset or business mindset? What what are we talking about? Is it does this have a religious component to it, or is this a mindset that is more business based? Well, so um, uh, let me go back to where I learned all of these things that are in the book. I learned them sitting at the feet of practicing leaders. So. Um, for beginners, let's take away source and ask the question, where was this demonstrated? Where was this proven? Where were these tools, these principles, and these practices practiced and demonstrated to produce value, to produce workplaces that are human places and enterprises that serve customers where, well? Where did that happen? Well, in businesses around the world, my primary learning lab was business. Men and women in enterprises, in far-flung places on earth who had learned the lessons of how to lead well, they were my teachers. They are the source of this material. And I've said this, um, I don't think it's an, an exaggeration, 10,000 times I have said to people I serve, I want you to know the source of this material you're learning. The source is not me. The source are the leaders around the world that I happened to be close to in droves sufficient to really get a good data set of what kind of behaviors produce good outcomes. And so um, 
What is this? Well, it's a set of proven, globally documented, effective leadership practices that make life better, that make business better, that make towns better. Now, does it have a root in, um, you know, business, emotion, spirit, heart? Of course it does. Uh, but our clients, uh, Kevin, uh, you know, I am a practicing follower of Jesus. So that is what it is. I read in the texts that are part of my faith that if you want to have great impact in the world, serve. So that's part of my source. You want to make a difference? Make a difference for someone else. But Peter Drucker said it. Uh, you don't have a business if you don't have a customer. So which is it? You know, I could turn the question back. Is that a spiritual principle or is that a marketplace principle? Fact of the matter is our clients are people of faith, people not of faith. Our clients are Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, Jews, Christians. Our clients are people uh, out of a Marxist worldview or out of a marketplace or capitalist worldview, when you behave in certain ways in leadership, in enterprise, fruit is born from that. People decide to trust more. People decide to bring more. Uh, people decide to risk more. People decide to be more accountable. You know, our leadership practice grows people. And um, uh, it says in the... Uh, you know, in the scriptures that I read, Jews read, and Muslims read, that the rain falls on everybody, and the sun shines on everybody, and good leadership practice strengthens everybody. And I'm just very pleased to share things that help people with everybody. Well, thank you for that answer. And you know, I think about the businesses that could take this on and it, it does sound like a management system in, in one respect when you talk about it. So mm. when you look at how this really benefits a business, somebody comes to you that's skeptical about this serving leader and, and what the Center for Serving Leadership is doing and they own a business. How do you talk to them about the benefits of embracing the serving leader mindset? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fantastic question, Kevin. The reality is that every leader I've ever served, uh, within a, a five-minute conversation, we can get to uh, all of the ways in which they are painfully aware of uh, improvement requirements they have that they are paying for on the bottom line. And, um, and so we go into that conversation. I'm interested in understanding... What are the uh, what are the areas of improvement that you would like to see in terms of attracting the best people into your company? Areas of improvement in keeping them, not losing them to the competitors. Areas of improvement in reducing your hiring and training costs because your people are with you longer and are gaining skill year by year to do better work. What um, costs are you incurring because of mistakes, because people's brains are not clocked in? You know, they're showing up at the job, but, you know, they're hanging upside down like 
like possums half asleep. What areas of improvement are you experiencing? Because the promise you make to customers doesn't deliver you know, as promised. What areas of improvement are you wrestling with? Because there are values violations and uh, people are doing things they shouldn't do. And it's increasing your risks. It's increasing your you know, your your um, injuries, it's, it's increasing the rework that has to be done. All of those issues are leadership issues. Well, let me say it differently. Everything that costs us in business and uh, all of us in business who are dedicated to become as excellent as we can pay attention to this are driven by people um, either lack of focus, lack of attention or errors and mistakes or quite frankly, um, the hidden cost of having people on the job who are not bringing everything they've got. Yeah, they see something that needs attention, but they keep their mouth shut because they don't trust us. These are leadership and people issues. And so um, you used a word and I loved it. You said management system. I've been looking at leadership training worldwide now for pushing 30 years. And um, if, may I say something just a little bit controversial here, maybe a lot controversial, Absolutely. the leadership development industry. I think you gave me permission there, Kevin. Absolutely. Can I go forward? Yes. <laughs> the leadership development industry, the men and women who make their living by teaching leadership is in North America pushing a 15 billion dollar industry and um it self reports that it that the industry is not accountable for results now let that sink in the industry i belong to self reports that this industry is not accountable for outcomes and I find that outrageous. Uh, by the way, I don't disagree with that indictment because I have seen tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions, and hundreds of millions of dollars of engagements delivered by competitors of ours that report after delivery that there was no benefit from the delivery. I find that outrageous. And you ask the question, why should a leader pay attention to this? Well, if the leader has um, spent a lot of money to fix a leadership or a people or a turnover, um, you know, or, or a safety issue and didn't get any results from that, then I would have all the respect in the world for them not paying attention. But this has been the unique opportunity for us because we've done the data. First of all, unlike a lot of leadership or management systems that I've looked at, we didn't invent this. We didn't sit in a room and suck our thumb or write big words on paper to try to come up with something. We didn't invent this. We benchmarked the behaviors in businesses that are excellent. Again, I said a while ago, no pride of authorship here. We're not the author. Uh, we happen to be in a situation where we could 
look at a broad cross-section of effective leaders and capture what are they doing that's producing engagement, loyalty, trust, customer service, excellence, accountability. What are they doing? We benchmarked that, and then we built that into simple learning tools. And then behind that, we looked at the metrics. When we improve skill in a certain area, what happens to our net income per employee? What happens to our turnover rate? What happens uh, to the reduction of damaged goods or returned product that wasn't built right? So that we can document, yes, be accountable for investment into leadership development, return on that investment in terms of a multiplier on that investment in productivity, profitability, worker retention, uh, market share, and so forth. It matters a lot. Kevin, tell me um, about a business that delivers a value to a customer and wants to be sustainably uh, allowed to be in business that is not actually proving the value proposition of what they're doing. And so for Center for Serving Leadership, for the Serving Leader Framework, which is, first of all, data-based you know, market-proven uh, and metric-driven, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to really help our clients get better. I, I just, uh, I think it's amazing when you think about it because there are so many business owners that bring in coaches and bring in other people to help them win their business. And yet if they don't get the engagement of their employees, if they if they don't understand, as you talk about it in your, in your book, uh, the idea of the greater good, you know, what is their purpose? Does it go beyond them? Yeah. And that's just amazing that they don't think that way. And yet when you think that way, it increases profits and increases the experience of the customers. It, in, it increases the joy that people have of wanting to work. So let me ask you, how does that affect families and the community, the two sides of the business? That's beautiful. So, um, you know, I've I've been watching this for a very long time. Um, we, we have a, a wonderful, um, we have a wonderful blessing, uh, benefit. I was with uh, some clients um, yesterday. Uh, they drove into Pittsburgh to spend a few hours with me, and and we were talking. And I've been working with them for a number of years, and they know maybe a hundred other of our clients in in that part of the US where they're based that we've served and and um one of my friends said to me at uh, uh, at that meeting yesterday he said you guys have so many good friends and um and we do uh, what we actually have is a circle of fellow leaders business owners senior managers that we, we stay connected to and um, and so what happens in the trickle down, if I can use that kind of language, one of the things I figured out about 15 years ago, you know, as I move into a new area or or members of my team move into a new area and um, um, we're we're endeavoring to find a way to serve a, a new business. You know, we're aware that the business has an issue. They're in pain enough to ask questions. But they're smart, you know, uh, they're data driven and they've spent money on other things that didn't work. And so they're they're 
properly skeptical. By the way, I like that. I like that. I like the skepticism. Like, I actually want value here. I figured out about 15 years ago that if that CEO or that owner or that that you know that chief that I'm talking with is married to somebody who is friends with somebody whose husband runs another company it's a done deal because the value of becoming a better leader uh, touches our whole life. You know, it's not just like, well, I, I run a better shop. Yeah, I run a better shop. Um, the team is more wholesome. Our results are more aligned. We're more accountable. We get it done. We grow people. We attract people. But those those learnings go home, and they impact our family. They impact the kind of wife or husband we are, mother or father we are, neighbor or friend we are. And, um, you know, in in the category of credit where credit is due, I had a conversation um, 25 years ago with one of the leaders that I learned from. Now, again, going back to my source. And this guy had a, an interesting career. He was an interim um, steel mill GM. He would move from mill to mill he was sent in by his parent company to to mills to steel mills that weren't doing well couldn't keep their people and weren't hit, hitting their marks and he would turn them around and so he's one of the sources for what we teach and he said to me he said john um one of the things i'm looking for you know i show up i get to work I diagnose what's going on, what causes this to be a place people don't want to work at, or if they're there, they don't want to do good work, or they do the minimum to keep their paycheck. What's going on that produces that, that's hurting us so badly? And I go to work and I work on it. And he said, one of the things I'm looking for, and he said, it always happens. It might be a year, might be just eight months, it might be a year and a half, but I get a knock on on my door and I've already instructed you know, my executive assistant to let these people in. And there stands a woman that I don't know. And I said, please come in. How can I help you? And she says to me, well, you know, you don't know me, but so-and-so is my husband and he works on the on the floor of the mill. Then he makes the connection. And she says, I, I don't know what you're doing here, but I just want to tell you that the man who's coming home from work has become a better man over the last year. And I think you have something to do with that. And so the connection, Kevin, um, better leader, better neighbor, uh, better dad, better friend, the connection is very, very real. And it, it means a lot to me that you put your finger on that. So I got, I got two more questions for you. The first one is there's a lot of people that say leadership is something you're born with, that it can't be trained. Mm -hmm. Other people say it can be trained and so I kind of figure where you lie on this because you're Center for Serving Leadership. But how do you work with the person who has that natural leadership versus how do you work with the person who is not born with a natural leadership? Well, um, so personality is born. There's all kinds of people. Um, you know, I, I'll be talking about this in other uh, episodes 
there are extroverts and introverts and strategic people and operational people and relational people. Uh, personality is born. Uh, introverts, you know, people who are shy, people who are big, bigger than life. That has nothing to do with leadership. And um, we now know from the data, and I don't mean just Center for Serving Leadership, this is broad, that many kinds of people can become good leaders. And uh, so I'll answer your question in two ways. First of all, leadership is learned. Uh, personality isn't learned. I know deeply operational leaders who execute well, who are great at building teams that bring dignity to work and help people be accountable for excellence in serving customers. I know people who are who are very strategy-oriented, quite the other side of execution-oriented, visionary, strategic, who are good leaders. They've learned how to treat their people right. They've learned how to build those same disciplines. Leadership is a body of practices we can learn, master, measure, and improve in. And it has to do with the things we do that impact the people who are with us to cause them to come together, to stand taller, um, to never forget the customer, to bring excellence to the world because they they have a sense of meaning and purpose and trust at work. That's leadership. Leadership is learned. Um, we're born with personality. Leadership is learned. Now, the other way I'll answer your question is that there is a certain willingness necessary in a leader to want to engage us. And that willingness, that certain necessary willingness, is a willingness to have your leadership and your business not simply be about yourself. And, um, you know, there are people out there, Kevin, you know some, I know some, that are um, ego-driven, pride-driven, uh, self-driven. It's about themselves and nobody else. They, they want it to work out for themselves. If something goes wrong, they're going to blame someone for it. They're, they're not focused on their lives, their businesses being an opportunity to do good in the world. They're focused on, I want mine. And I have not been able to help people like that. Um, you know, at a certain point, a person has to have enough of a crisis to realize that that doesn't lead them to the goal that they are pursuing, that they've got to begin thinking about others. Once someone is willing to say, um, I have responsibility, I have duty, um, I have people around me, I must serve, I got to do the right thing for my customers, not just make the buck. Once somebody is on that side of the equation of being a value creator, uh, boy, we can help them. And uh, fortunately, the world is filled with leaders who are devoted to value creation. Actually, the egomaniacs are uh, rather the exception out there. They, they actually don't do very well long-term in business anyway. The media likes to elevate them if you know, we tell a lot of stories. If if we're against business, then we make we make a big deal about about the egomaniacs. But most business leaders I know are they've they've got their head down and they're trying to get something done that's important. They're trying to they're trying to support their family and 
they think about their employees and and they want to make sure they get enough work in to keep people paid. That kind of a person is uh, is able to you know to go to the moon. So I got one more question for you. There's uh, you you obviously have helped train a lot of serving leaders now across the globe. How do they all get together? How do you make sure that uh, they know they exist in other parts, uh, let alone Rochester? How about California or Burundi? How do they know they exist? Yeah, well, that, that's that's our biggest uh, opportunity for improvement ourselves. You know, the biggest uh, room in the world, Kevin, is room for improvement. And uh, one of the things that you and I are doing is creating, you know, through this mechanism, a way for be, people to be connected uh, I am connecting people all the time. I'm introducing people to each other. We do gatherings, you know, that pull people together. Just in the last um, six weeks, we did a gathering in Singapore with a bunch of our serving leader community there. We did a gathering in eastern Pennsylvania, western Pennsylvania, central Ohio. We're going to be doing a lot more than that. You know, um, you've said this to me for years, Kevin, and I want to thank you for you know, your friendship to this serving leader movement all the way back to uh, 2013 when you and I met and you pulled me up into Rochester, that uh, that there's a, there's a worldwide opportunity for strengthening leaders through strengthening the serving leader community. And I have felt this from the beginning. And so, um, you know, I would say to you and I would say to, uh, you know, people you know, who are uh, watching or listening to this to to join, lean in, uh, stay connected and stay posted as uh, we uh, we propagate more and more opportunities for gatherings of leaders who can encourage one another and uh, accelerate one another's skill by, you know, be- becoming one another's friends on the leadership journey. Hey, John, I want to thank you very much for being with me today and and having this wonderful conversation. I look forward to wonderful future conversations with those other serving leaders that I'm going to be introduced to. Thank you. My pleasure. For more information about the Center for Serving Leadership, visit our website at centerforservingleadership.com.